So we are in chapter 54, the book of Isaiah, um, and it's been a wonderful study, this uh, study in the book of Isaiah. Remember that we're in this section of Isaiah that started in chapter 40, that goes through the end of the book, chapter 66, that here is the Lord. He is primarily speaking to the house of Judah, the southern kingdom, that is going to go off into captivity by the Babylonians about 100 years after um, Isaiah is, is given these prophecies. And the Lord's really showing his heart. And as we go through this, I pray that we see his heart as well because he is saying to them that I'm the creator. Uh, I stretched out the heavens and the earth and I am the one that has redeemed you and saved you and, and you were you know created for my good pleasures. And he is calling them back to him because they had gone off into idol worship. They had gone off into false worship and, and they had forgotten about the Lord. And the Lord says, I have not forgotten you and, and you belong to me and I've saved you and I have a purpose for you. And I'm the one that can declare the end from the beginning. And those idols can't do that. Those idols can't help you. They're a burden to you. They are absolutely worthless. And so as he's pleading with his people, it's, remember that it's a heartbroken father that is, is saying this to his people because they would not turn back to him. And so we're going to continue to see the Lord pleading with them. But also, as we know that Isaiah, speaking the words of the Lord, is very direct. He says that there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be captivity. You're going to go off into captivity because of your sin. And we also know that the Lord would leave them without, you know, any hope. That there's words of comfort and hope that are intertwined in these chapters here. And as we've moved into chapter 54, which is right after Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, speaking of the suffering Messiah and how Jesus would come. The lamb that was led uh, as the slaughter. An incredible chapter that we read. Chapter 54, he, he talks about this covenant of peace that he has made with his people. And he has made a promise to them that he's going to restore them. Now, as we go through chapter 54, remember that Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem in the gospel accounts, particularly in Luke, that he wept over Jerusalem. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how, you know, the one who has killed the prophets, how I long to gather you to myself under, you know, my wings as a mother hen gathers her hens other under her wings. But you were not willing to come. And in that poetic language, he, he was talking about how he desired to gather them. But now your house is left to you desolate and you will not see me anymore until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then later on in the Olivet Discourse that we know that particularly Luke's narrative talks about how the Lord Lord would speak to his disciples that Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Not one uh, stone is going to be left upon another. It's going to, the temple be completely decimated and they're going to build an embankment. And of course, it was Titus, the Roman general, that came in and he would level the temple, destroy Jerusalem in 70 AD. And then they would be taken to, off into captivity. They, they, 
took 100,000 Jews away into slavery. They were dispersed. They were no longer a nation. But the Lord also would speak about, and we also know that the Old Testament prophets talked about how they would come back from that time, and they did in 1948. So here's the thing. The Lord's saying that you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he is talking about that time when they're going to recognize uh, as uh, they will go through difficulties. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12 talks about how they will go through great tribulation. Jacob's trouble is what Daniel's uh, prophecies tell us. And as they do, that the Lord's preparing them for when they're going to receive the Messiah at the end of the tribulation period. So we see that here that the Lord is telling them that I'm going to keep my covenant with you. You see what has happened that there's been this doctrine that actually uh, is, is becoming more popular even in evangelical churches today that's called replacement theology. And we talked about it before. And what that theology says is that God is through with the Jews because they crucified Jesus, that the promises that he gave to them, that he would restore them. Abraham, I'll make you a great nation and all this land that you see from the Nile River to the Euphrates River is yours. It's a perpetual covenant, and we know that even Isaiah's been speaking about that time, uh, about Jerusalem, how the Lord's going to reign from Jerusalem, and, and David was told in 2 Samuel, remember the promise that Messiah's going to come and sit upon your throne, David, and upon your throne that will be established forever. So there are those who come along and say, no, God's done with Israel, done with uh, the Jews, Jewish people uh, as a nation, and so the church has replaced Israel, and that's where we get the term replacement theology, that the promises that were given to Israel are now given to the church. And we need to understand that as even this chapter tells us, that God says, I'm going to keep my promise to Israel. I'm going to keep my covenant with them. And you see, if you adopt replacement theology, the problem is this, is that you've got to ignore hundreds of verses of the Old Testament and sometimes whole chapters. This is one of those chapters. And as we are studying Romans on Sunday morning now, we will get into that section where the Lord says that he is not through with his people. Paul says, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. He will keep his promise to them, and then one day will come when their eyes will be opened, Zechariah chapter 12, and, and they will see the one who had wounds, and they will say, where did you get those wounds? And Jesus will respond, in the house of my friends. And at that time, even as Jesus said, they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord's going to keep his promise to Israel. So when uh, the, the plan that God has for the church is different than for Israel. Don't believe in a dual covenant. Salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ because there are those who will come along and say, well, because God has a different plan for Israel, that they're saved because they're the covenant people. And we know that the Bible does not speak about that at all. That Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And it is Paul in the book of Romans and also in Galatians that painstakingly 
will make the case and does make the case that the children of Abraham are children of faith. That Abraham believed God, chapter 15 of Genesis, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It wasn't because of circumcision. And you see, there are those who come along and say, because the Jews, the, those of the circumcision, had that covenant that they're automatically saved. And we know that the New Testament speaks differently. We're all saved the same way, right? through Jesus Christ, faith in him. But God has a different plan for Israel, and he has a plan for the church. And the church, I believe, is going to be raptured. The rapture can happen at any time. We don't know the day or the hour, but we are in the last days. We'll talk more specifically about it as we'll do our study in the book of Revelation starting at the first of the year. But the Lord could come for us at any time. We don't know when, but we are to be watching. We are to be looking. And then after that, that, there is seven years of tribulation where the Lord's going to take his people Israel through that tribulation. And we also know at the end of the tribulation that their eyes will be open. And when Jesus comes back, literally in the second coming of Jesus Christ, then as he will restore Israel and he will rule and reign uh, in the millennium kingdom for a thousand years. And he will sit upon the throne of David. So threw a lot out there for you. But chapter 54 talks about how he's going to keep his promise to Israel as we went through the first three verses last week. And then verse four, as we pick it up, do not fear for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. And as we, we look at these verses, um, they may see, seem to, to think that you know we're widows that have been afflicted and forsaken. And the Lord's promises is this, that he's going to stand in the place of her husband, speaking to the nation. He is their maker. He is the Lord of all the earth. He is their redeemer. And, and he is the one that's going to come back and redeem them as a nation. As we continue in verse 7, for a mere moment I have forsaken you. But with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And so for a moment, uh, you may have felt forsaken is what being said here, but there will be an everlasting blessing. You know, here's the thing. Jesus promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And in those times where he's chasing in us, and keep in mind, a loving father is going to chasten his children. And whenever that we are, you know, going the wrong direction or there needs to be correction in our lives because of his love for us, even as we know that the book of Hebrews declares to you and to me, he chastens us, he disciplines us, and it shows that we belong to him. But whenever we go through that time, we can feel like, you know, the, the, that the blessings have been withdrawn from us, that the Lord has forsaken us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And those times of chastening, as we're sensitive to the Lord, and, and as we are looking to him and as we are corrected, times of chastening will bring blessing as we turn to him. 
And that's his desire for us to turn to him, for us to, to say, Lord, you're chastening me. I, I got, you know, I can sense it. You're, you're chastening me. I'm going the wrong direction. I need to repent and I need to turn to you. And it is in those times that blessing will come, even as he says that, listen, you may feel forsaken, but here's the thing that I will have great mercies that I'm going to, to give to you. And there's going to be everlasting kindness, says the Lord. I am your redeemer, as verse 9 we continue, for this is the waters of Noah to me, for I have shown, and the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Uh, verse 9 here is interesting that the Lord says, listen, uh, I gave a promise after the flood that I wouldn't flood the world uh, once again. And of course, we know that promise was made in the book of Genesis. He's going to keep that promise. He has kept that promise. And by the way, if anybody comes along and those who doubt what the scripture says and the word of God, they will say there was no worldwide flood. You know, it was just a localized flood, probably what happened. Well, we know that Genesis very clearly tells us that the whole world was flooded. All of the earth was covered with water as water came underneath the crust of the earth. And in that firmament, that surrounded the earth uh, also uh, would, you know, drop its moisture as uh, it rained for 40 days and the whole earth was, was flooded. Here we see that Isaiah says that as well, that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. It was a worldwide flood. So don't let anybody, you know, duke you into thinking it was just a localized flood. God's word says otherwise. But he says that promise that I made to you, I've kept and I will keep. And and in verse 10, this is an important verse. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my peace, uh, covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. I really like this verse. What's the Lord saying? He's saying to you, to you, my people, to, to Israel, that I'm going to keep my promise to you. And this is a verse that you can show to those who believe in replacement theology, that God's through with this people, doesn't have a plan for Israel. Listen, that you recall that when we began the book of Isaiah, that in the early chapters, in chapters 2 and into chapter 3, that the Lord was emphasizing that these things that are written down will come to pass. Not that they might come to pass, or it's a possibility, but these things are going to be fulfilled. And we see that the Lord says over and over again that I'm going to keep my word, and I'm going to keep my promises. And, and even though the hills be removed, the mountains depart, I'm going to keep my promise to you. My kindness shall not depart, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. But I've shown mercy to you. And he will bring it to pass, the promises that he's given to Israel. He will bring them through a very difficult time, Jacob's trouble, as I said. But when the Lord comes back and their eyes are open, even as Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, that in that day all of Israel will be saved. He hasn't forsaken his people. And that he will restore Israel. So we can count on that, that plan that he has for them. Remember that Daniel chapter 9, that the last four verses that we have the amazing prophecy of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Six 
69 of those weeks have been fulfilled. There's still a one-week period, the 70th week of Daniel, that is going to be fulfilled. And at the end of that time, the Lord comes back, and then he will restore Israel. But they're going to open up their eyes, and they're going to see that Jesus truly was their Mashiach. You and I, the church, that God has a plan for us, that he's going to rapture us home, I believe, before the 70th week of Daniel. So all that that we'll cover in detail to where it makes sense, because a lot of people don't understand it. But here's the thing for you and I that we can take home here tonight. Sometimes people say that believe in the replacement theology. Well, God's through with Israel. They blew it. They, you know, they crucified the Lord. Listen, we all did. It was because of my sin that Jesus went to the cross and because of your sin that he died for sinful humanity. And yes, they've gone through the consequences, even as the Lord has said that you're going to be chastened and it's going to seem like that, that I've forsaken you. You're going to go through difficulties and it's going to seem like you're a widow, but I'm going to be faithful to you and I'll bring a covenant of peace to you. And know that the Lord is going to fulfill that. And even as he is going to fulfill his promises to you and to me, I blow it at times. And I can go to him and receive forgiveness. And I know that his promises are true, that he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know that if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to, you know, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, that I have an advocate with the Father. I know that I belong to him and that his love remains. And that's good news for me. Because if he's going to keep his promise to the nation of Israel, he's going to keep his promise to you and to me. And maybe you're here tonight and maybe there's a promise from Scripture that you're wondering, Lord, is that promise going to come to pass? Is that promise for me? Your promise of comfort. Your promise of strength. Your promise of provision. Your promise of peace. And sometimes we can get anxious and sometimes we worry and, and sometimes we... Sometimes we, we wonder, Lord, what's going to happen? We live in uncertain days. I can look at what's going on around us, and I get concerned just like you do. I wonder, what's the future hold for my kids? You know, what's going to happen in the days ahead? But I do know this, that the promises that the Lord has given to me, that he's going to keep those promises, and he will be faithful. And that he's going to see you through and he's going to see me through. And that we have the Lord. And I can trust in him and rest in his love. So he says, my kindness shall not depart, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. And then in verse 11, O you afflicted one, tossed with tempests and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires, and I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. And all your children should be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you be, should be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from the terror, for he shall not come near to you. In verse 15, indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. 
And so speaking here in verses 11 and 12 of the new Jerusalem, you see what's going to happen is after the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, the heavens and the earth that we know it is going to dissolve, um, is, is going to go away. Peter writes about that in 2 Peter chapter 3 as a fervent heat. And then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem where we're going to be with him for all eternity. And you can read about that in Revelation chapter 21. And it's going to be wonderful. Uh, lay your stones with cuttleful gems and you know and, and as we read this um, your foundations of sapphire and rubies and gates of crystals and you can read more specifically about it as you go through Revelation chapter 21 but in verse 11 as he says that oh you afflicted one and you're not comforted we have the riches of Christ and that's what brings comfort to me because in this life, we will have tribulation, won't we? And in this life, we are afflicted. We can be tossed. And, and, and it seems like, Lord, where is your comfort? He is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation. And you keep going to him. Remember, at the beginning of this chapter last week, sing, O barren, you who have not born. And when we feel barren, when we feel dry, when we feel like, Lord, I don't have your comfort, you keep going to him. Because he's going to bring that comfort to you. And know that you belong to him. And you have the riches of Christ and an eternal inheritance. And it's so wonderful. And as we continue in verse uh, 13, uh, or excuse me, uh, as we continue in verse, um, I think I did. I finished the chapter. No. <laughs> verse 16. Behold, I have created the blacksmith uh, who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument uh, of his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And so as we look at this, we know that it is, you know, uh, good news to you and to me and a promise that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You know, sometimes I think that the enemy, he's the one that throws the fiery darts at us, Ephesians chapter 6. But I feel like there's so many weapons that the enemy has and so many weapons that the world has that throw at us. And, and I feel like I'm going down. And here's a promise that I turn to that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And that's a promise that you and I can stand on and trust in and rest in. That even though the enemy comes against me throwing those fiery darts and trying to deceive and trying to, to wreck my life, and get a foothold into every area of my life, even though the world comes against me. There's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper because I have you, Lord. You are my shield. You're my strong tower. You're my protector. You're everything that I need. And knowing this, that the servants of the Lord, their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. I am clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and I belong to him. 
So now as we go into chapter 55, what we see here is that chapter 55 is now speaking to the Gentiles. So chapter 54 is speaking to the nation of Israel. Chapter 55 is speaking to the Gentiles. And we read in chapter 55, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Uh, this, of course, is such a, a wonderful verse. Ho, he says. Now, not, it's not Santa Claus, ho, ho, ho. What that means is this is wonderful news that's about ready to come forth. And it's an invitation for everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And I just want to say this, that everybody thirsts. Everyone thirsts. Oh, not just physically, but I'm talking about spiritually. And this invitation is given to anyone and everyone that come to the Lord if you thirst. Come to the waters and you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wine speaks of, of, of just joy. Come, come and experience my joy. Come and experience the abundant life that I have for you. And it is free. And of course, salvation is free for us. As Jesus said, I come to give you life. But he also came to give us life abundantly as well. And why do you spend money for bread and, and your wages for that which does not satisfy and how I long to just for us, all of us, to understand this, that if you're going to drink of the waters of the world or the bread of the world, you're going to be hungry and you're going to be thirsty. And there are so many people that are pursuing the latest fad and the, the, you know, the latest philosophy and what's in our culture and looking for satisfaction because they're thirsty and they're hungry and they don't understand that God created us so that we can have fellowship with him. And when we understand that and really make it our own, listen, you will not have ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction apart from Jesus Christ. You might think that you do, but over time you're going to be thirsty, even as Jesus said to that Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, you drink of Jacob's well, you're going to be thirsty again. You drink of the water that I have to give, you'll never thirst again. And he would cry out there at the temple in John chapter 7, that if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of your innermost will flow torrents of living water. He has living water to give. And it doesn't cost any money. What people do to spend money in trying to buy happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction, and still they're not getting it, not ultimate, lasting fulfillment and satisfaction. They might have a good time for a short time, but there's an emptiness that is in their soul and in their hearts. Why are you spending money? Why are you, you taking your wages, you know, for that which does not satisfy? He says, listen to me carefully and eat what is good. You know, it is the Lord that would say in Psalm 34, I love it, that, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blesses the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, his saints, and there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. 
when we really do make it our own, that, Lord, that true satisfaction and fulfillment and joy and peace and comfort comes by having fellowship with you. Jesus said, I'm the bread that came from heaven, the bread of life. And if you eat of me, you'll never hunger again, but you'll have everlasting life. And it is such a joy. And what my prayer and hope for all of us here at Calvary Chapel is that you're discovering as you draw closer to him and you know him and know of his love. And as you're drawing closer to him in fellowship, that your heart is going to be full of joy and satisfied and fulfilled. I understand, I read in the news, that somebody won a lottery, big lottery ticket yesterday, $1.5 billion in the mega lottery, whatever it is, one person. So the lump sum is $877 million. And we can read that. And what is interesting, because, you know, I read the news and articles and stuff, is leading up to the big drawing that they had that, um, you know, people were saying and being asked, what would you do with $1.5 billion? And everybody, you know, is like, I'd do this and I'd buy that and I'd quit my job and I'd be happy and all of this. And somebody is very, very rich tonight. But you see, here's the thing for you and I to remember. That all the money in the world cannot buy forgiveness of sin. Even as Peter said that all the gold and silver, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And you see, all the money of the world cannot give you true joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. Sometimes we think that if I was wealthy, I wouldn't have any problems. Oh, you'll have problems. They'll just be different problems. It doesn't exclude you from problems. And you can be blessed in certain ways. But the one who is truly happy, blessed, that is, the one who is satisfied is one whether you have little or you have much, whether you're poor or whether you're rich, whether you lack or whether you have plenty, is the one that says, Lord, I have you. That you are my Lord. And that you are my satisfaction and peace. And he says, everyone that thirst, and we all thirst, man or woman, young or old, rich or poor, Republican, Democrat, whoever you are, we all thirst in the invitation. And the only requirement is this, folks, that you come that you come. So can I ask you a question tonight? Are you feeling barren? Are you feeling anxious perhaps? Are you feeling, I just don't have that peace or that comfort and I'm just not really satisfied? The Lord says, come to me. And as I read this, anyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I can't help but think about Jesus crying that hillside of Galilee that said, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, what? Come to me and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's one requirement and the invitation is always to come. It's never get away from me. It is always to come. Come drink of the, the waters freely. 
Don't be spending money to try to find satisfaction in this world. And particularly for you who are young, the world is going to leave you disappointed. Those of us who are older, perhaps we have found that to be true. But you who are young, listen. Do not pursue the world. You pursue the Lord. And for all of us, whatever age you're at, pursue the Lord. And you're going to see that he is going to be the one that's going to refresh you and renew you. Come and eat, taste of the Lord, and see that he is truly, truly, truly good. So listen carefully. Eat what is good. Let your soul delight. Verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Of course, the Lord had made uh, uh, a um, promise that Messiah would come from the seed of David, as I've already mentioned, and one day his kingdom is going to be established. So you incline your ear, you hear, your soul's going to live. And then in verse 4, and indeed I will give him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to because of the Lord your God, for the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So in this, what we see is, again, that Jesus came for everyone. David was a great leader. He was victorious. But the son of David, the divine son of David, is so much more, uh, is going to come and rule and reign uh, over all the nations. And then in verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. There's an urgency here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. Sometimes there will be people that will say to me, well, you know, I'll think about this Jesus thing. And I know that the Lord's working. Sometimes people will say, well, I'll make a decision for Jesus maybe later. And here the Lord is saying, listen, seek him while you may be found. Call upon him while you can. Because tomorrow is unpromised to any of us. And the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Seek him while you can. You know, one of the tricks of the enemy is this. I don't think it's so much that there is no God or there's no heaven or hell. I think the, the real effective trick of the enemy is there's no hurry. There's no hurry to make a decision. You make a decision, you know, at some point, but live your life now. Do what you want to do. And it's a great deception. It's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. And the Lord is coming, and tomorrow is unpromised to any of us. So if anybody who is listening that you haven't come to Jesus Christ for salvation, he loves you. Today is the day of salvation. He died for your sins. He rose again, and he, he died for you personally. He loves you, and he is the way. There's no other salvation. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, come to me and drink of the living waters. Believe in the bread of life and you will have eternal life as you recognize your need to be forgiven and come to him in faith. Today is the day to do that. And we're going to give you that opportunity when we end the teaching. But for us here, maybe perhaps the Lord has been putting something on your heart. Maybe he's been calling you away from something, sin or carnality. Listen to him. Seek him. Don't blow him off. But he loves you and he desires for you to come to him. 
And then in verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He calls us to repent and turn to him. He wants us to, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We have forgiveness of sin. So it's good news for us. You see, sometimes Christians can think, oh, I sin and I can't come to the Lord. He says, come to me. We have forgiveness of sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you can't come to him, but you draw to him. And he says, forsake the wicked way and, and return to the Lord and have mercy on you and he will pardon you. And we have forgiveness because of Jesus Christ. And then verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Lord, as for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what it I please. And it shall prosper in a thing in which I have sent it. I love these verses. I know you do too. The Lord says to us that my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. But as the heavens are higher, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the Lord doesn't say that sarcastically. He says that very lovingly to you and to me. Because we need to always keep in mind that the Lord has an eternal perspective on things. And sometimes things happen in our lives where we don't understand, Lord, why did this happen? Why did you allow this? Lord, why did this take place? Why am I in this circumstances? Why did you work in this way? And I can go to this and I can say, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. The Lord is sovereign. And he has eternity values and views in mind, in perspective. And one day, as Revelation chapter 19 says, that we will be all together and we will say, righteous and true are your judgments, Lord. But in the meantime, it can be difficult. It can be hard. Lord, why the loss? Why the difficulties? Why am I going through this? Why, why the tribulations? And I don't know why, but I do know this. That the Lord desires to show himself strong and to work good and to, to grow us and to mature us and for him to be glorified. But his ways are much higher and his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are, are much more grander in eternity's perspective. And when it comes to the word of God, it's going to come forth, as he says, it's going to prosper the thing in which I've sent it. You know, that's good news. Because sometimes I think, uh, after a Bible study, boy, did I butcher that thing up. And, but I know as the word of God goes forth to give seed to the sower, 
that as the seed of the word is planted in your heart, that it will be planted there. It will take root there and produce fruit in your life. It's not going to return void. It's going to accomplish, you know, for what it was meant to accomplish. And as we give the word to others, as we bring comfort to them, as we give truth to them and precepts to them, that we can know that it's doing a work in the hearts of the people. Listen, we have a message of hope to give to others who feel hopeless. We got a message of comfort to give to those who need comfort. We got a message of, 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 of just promises and, and to give to those who need those promises. And as we do, let the Word of God do that work in the hearts of people. People don't need all my stories and all my opinions. What you need is the Word of God. And as it goes forth, I pray that it is planted in your heart to where it takes root there. And then your faith grows because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? And that is going to accomplish what is meant to, to accomplish in your life. What, it, what I please, he says, and shall prosper for the thing in which I've sent it. We need to give people the word of God. The great need in the church today is for the church to get back to the word of God. So the Lord, speaking of his sovereignty, my ways are much higher than your ways. My word, the power of the word, to bring forth life into our spiritual lives, is going to accomplish what he pleases. Verse 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. It's true what, you know, Julie Andrews sang and... You know, the sound of music. The hills are alive with the sound of music. That's going to happen as it's speaking about here the millennium rain. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign shall not be cut off. And thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold of it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. And so as we move now into chapter 56, God wants us to live rightly now that we're saved and the result is a blessed life. They were going to go off into captivity and... You are to keep justice and do what is right. And you're going to be set free eventually from that captivity. But for you and for me, whenever that we feel captive by a situation that's difficult or in relationships, whatever it may be, it is important that we do what is right. Whatever situation and circumstance we find ourselves in. And you will see at that point when you're doing what is right. When you're doing what you know God wants you to do. That God's going to work and he's going to end up eventually blessing it. What we tend to do is say Lord bless me first and then I'll do what's right. We need to do what is right and trust in him. And then watch him work as we are living rightly for him. And then in verse 3, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, I am 
here I am, a, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, the eunuchs who keeps my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place for a name and better that of sons and daughters I will give them an everlasting name that they should not be cut off. So the Lord here to the foreigner that comes to the Lord, remember that the foreigner, the eunuch or the foreigner, uh, they could not come to the temple. They couldn't come. They were outside. And that's what's being said here, that you're going to be able to come to the Lord. And here, the promises, salvation to the Gentiles, you're going to be able to come to the Lord. They're not to be treated differently. Salvation is for all who come, this invitation who thirsts and come to the living waters. And God receives all who truly come to him. And, and, and we need to get that message. We need to be a light. You see, he wanted his people to be a light to the Gentiles. We've already seen that. What happened in Jesus' days, they turned inwardly, and they thought that salvation was only for them, the Jews did. And when the early church started, they had a hard time recognizing that this thing called the church is going to include both believing Jews and Gentiles that have come to Jesus Christ as well. So you and I, we are to give that invitation to others as well. We are to remember that all are invited to come as they turn to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4 and 5 that I read, that we know that um, those who come to the Lord, I'll give you a place and a name in my house, an everlasting name. In verse 4, he talks about the Sabbath, and we can get into that. But, you know, the, we know from the New Testament that we have a Sabbath rest, don't we? And that is in Jesus Christ. That, that he is our rest, our Sabbath rest. And we can go into that. We've talked quite a bit about that before. But verse 6, also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and hold fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And the Lord God who gathers the outcasts outcast of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others beside those who are gathered to him. Interesting in verse 7, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. That That is what Jesus would say as he would quote from Isaiah chapter 56 here when he cleansed the temple. Remember the second cleansing? As he overturned the money changers' tables, drove out those who were selling, you know, the sacrifices, and he rebuked the religious leaders, and he said that my father's house, which is a house of prayer, you've made it into a den of thieves. This is my father's house, and it is to be a house of prayer, Isaiah says, for all the nations. And you see what was going on at that time, that during the Passover, not only all the Jews were coming in, but even some of the Gentiles were coming to the temple as well. That's why you see in John chapter 12, it was the Greeks that wished to see Jesus. Remember that request? We wish to see Jesus. And the reason was, is because Greeks believed in many gods, and they thought greater the temple than greater the God. And the temple was magnificent, so we want to see 
see this great God. He must be a great God. And they were to be a light to the Gentiles. It was to be a place where the testimony of God and the truthfulness of God was seen. And it was to be a house of prayer for all the nations that we see that they could come to the court of the Gentiles. But it was supposed to be a testimony of the reality of the Lord. And here's all this merchandising going on and ripping the people off. And the Lord is upset and he drives out the money changers tables and he said you've made my father's house which is a house of prayer into a den of thieves you're ripping the people off you're no different than the world and unfortunately we see that today even in the church those who are ripping people off with their prosperity seed you know doctrine and and name it and faith movements and you know uh, prosperity gospel which is not the gospel give to me and plant your seed faith and he talks about irresponsible leaders in the next verses as he says that all you beasts in the forest in verse 10, his watchmen are blind, they're ignorant, they're dumb dogs, they cannot bark, sleep and lying down, loving to slumber. They are greedy dogs is what he says. There was greed that was going on in the irresponsible leaders. And we even see that in the church today. Those who are just telling people that if you plant your seed faith that God's going to give you a hundredfold and make you a millionaire and they're ripping people off. And it is Paul that would write about that even in his day that he was writing to Timothy and he said, Timothy, those who, who say godliness is a means of gain, you need to withdraw yourself from them. That is financial gain. Those who just talk about money, money, money. I remember a couple years ago getting a letter from somebody, it was several years ago, from one of the faith teachers and you know, you know, dear Mr. Chapel, you know, it was addressed Calvary Chapel. Dear Mr. Chapel, I care about you. It's like, right. <laughs> sure you do. Um, you know, you've been on my heart, Mr. Chapel, and, and, and all of this. And if you, you know, here's a little prayer cloth. And if you plant a seed faith and send it to me, you know, your ministry is going to be blessed and is going to flourish and you're going to receive a hundredfold back. And I was so furious. So I wrote him back. I, I did this. I wrote him back and I said, hey, I want you guys to be blessed. So this is what I want you to do. Send me a seed faith. Okay. And then you're going to receive a hundredfold back. Okay. Never heard from him. Never got a response from them. But it's a ripoff is what it is. Listen, every good gift comes from above. And as we give to the Lord, he says that he's going to bless us. And he says he's going to provide for us. But we give to the Lord because we love him. And we want to see the furtherance of the gospel. We want to see the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And what we see being taught today in the church is, is about greed and about self and, and temporary gains. When the Lord says, you stare, store up your treasures in heaven. You got watchmen that are blind. We are to be watchmen on the wall. Those who are ignorant, he says, the leaders here in these verses, they're all ignorant. They're dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs which have had enough. They are shepherds who cannot understand, and they all look to their own way, everyone for his own gain from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine, and we'll fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today and as much more abundant. You have pub theology and all this stuff that's going on. And here's the thing, that as leaders in the church, we are to lead with integrity and honesty. 
to give you the word of God to be watchmen on the wall. I don't want you guys or me to be ignorant of the word of God. We're not to be sleeping. Remember chapter 51 and 52. Awake, awake. Don't go to sleep spiritually. Don't be sluggish. And we want to be able to give. And we are thankful for the way that the Lord has blessed us. How he's blessed you. Be a good steward of it. Yes, invest in the kingdom of God. But you do it for the right reasons. And do it because you love the Lord. And, and, and here's the thing. We talk about that as leaders in the church. But you, you who are leaders in your home, mom and dads, you be a watchman. You make sure that the word of God is a priority in your home, being planted in the hearts of your kids. Don't go to sleep spiritually. And you be one that you continue to make the priority, the things of the Lord in your life. And you will be blessed. So, Father, we thank you. So much more that we could have said in these chapters that we went over. But, Lord, I thank you that we're reminded how you are so faithful to us and that you love us. And, Lord, you desire for us to walk closely with you. You desire for us to know you. And, Lord, to, to be blessed as we come and drink of the living waters. And so I do pray, even as we've talked about, that if there's anyone here that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that he's the one that came and died for your sins. He is your salvation. There is none other. And today is the day of salvation. Jesus loves you so much. He came and died for you, for your sins. And he cried out, it is finished from the cross. I've done the work. I've paid the price. He was put into a grave and he rose again and he's alive. And he's saying, come. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that means you. He is your salvation. Will you come to him? Recognize your need to be forgiven. Recognize that Jesus is your salvation, the son of God who's alive to come to him for eternal life, for forgiveness and true relationship with the Father. You come in faith, sincerely in your heart, praying that Jesus, I come to you as I am a sinner and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on Calvary's cross for me and I ask that you forgive me and I know that you're alive. Speak into my heart, be my personal Lord and Savior. And I want to know you and walk with you. I want to learn of you. Lord, I want to keep drinking of that living water, being satisfied and fulfilled in Jesus' name. In just a few minutes when we end, we have a ministry team up front. If you're here and you made that decision, will you come up and tell them the decision you made? But for all of us, for all of us, may we understand this, that the Lord desires to bring comfort and satisfaction and fulfillment to us. And it's only found in him and knowing him and walking with him. It's continuing to draw close to him. And maybe you're here and you felt distance from him. Maybe it's because of, maybe there's something not right in your heart, in your life. Will you give it to him right now? Don't hide it from him. Give it to him. Ask for that forgiveness that is available for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He promises to forgive those who come to him and ask him for help to do what is right. For you who are here, maybe you just need comfort. Maybe in your life there are things that you don't understand. But to know this, that he's a good God and he cannot lie and he does no evil and his ways are much higher than our ways. And his thoughts are much higher than our thoughts because they're in eternity's perspective. And that you can trust in him and rest in him for him to bring the comfort and help that you need because his promises are true. And for all of us to go home from this place just encouraged because we've been here. Lord, help us to be the mom and dads, the grandparents, that you've called us to be to our families. We don't want to get lazy, lethargic. Lord, we want to be watchful. Lord, we want to be standing firm on your word, continuing to grow in your word. We want to give that to our children, our grandchildren, to those around us who are linked to us in our lives. And Lord, we want to be once walking in godly integrity. Lord, none of us do that perfectly, but we can look to you to rely on. And Lord, we thank you for every good gift that comes from above. We have an eternal inheritance. Lord, we want to invest in the kingdom of God. We want to invest, Lord, in giving to you. But Lord, it's because we love you because you get the first fruits not for greedy reasons and I pray that you would supply all the needs of those who have those needs here today you know what they are and you promised that you would supply our, our needs in Christ Jesus so Lord take us home safely tonight Lord bless everyone here in Jesus name Amen. Amen would you please stand